Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on An Actor Despairs, we have David Fierro. David Fierro is one of the most hardworking actors that I've had the pleasure of meeting. You know him from things like Maniac, Gotham, The Nick, and Red Oaks. Here's our conversation. I'm sitting here on the corner of Bleecker and Bowery on what will hopefully be the beginning of a spring season in New York. And I'm sitting with David Fierro, one of my favorite actors who I first came to attention of in The Nick. You'll know him from other things like Maniac, uh, Birdman, Gotham. Incredible actor, actually. Uh, at first, I, I discovered him through that show, and then we audition at a similar place. And then he reads all the time, and he's incredible. And I'm such a big fan of his, so I'm excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome, man. So before we get into it, where'd you grow up? I grew up in the Bay Area uh, in Marin County. It's like a small little, uh, one of the richest corners of America. <laughs> uh, but it's beautiful. It's basically where um, old hippies and um, 80s babies went to go do all their work. Nice. And uh, so how, what was that like? Did you? It was cool. You know, um, I was born uh, the son of a musician. Okay. And so your the, parents the, are artists. My mother is an artist. She was a painter. And uh, I got to see a lot of, like, success and failure through my father's eyes because he was a saxophone player. He played for the Grateful Dead and, uh, like, uh, Legion of Mary and Zero and uh, the Sir Douglas Quintet. So just, like, a bunch of stuff. And I got to see him play in, like, huge venues and, like, the corner of a casino. So, you know, it was pretty cool to see the highs and lows of a career um, of an artist. Awesome. And so he was like a session guy. He played for different bands. Yeah. And also he played in concert for a lot of different bands. Like for Zero, he was always in concert. And then uh, he was playing with uh, Jerry out here for many years. Uh, And actually, it's funny because he actually uh, has this crazy story, uh, which is kind of a funny story and a little veering off the actor thing. But uh, he actually, uh, one day he was playing with Jerry here in New York and um, they picked up this guy like, oh, I'm trying to get this guy to play with us. I hope he can play with us. So the guy gets in the car, and uh, it was John Lennon. And uh, and so my dad was, like, totally shocked, and he couldn't say anything. He was basically in there, you know, this is the 70s, so they were, like, smoking a lot of marijuana. So, like, they're just sitting there smoking and, like, kind of talking and driving around. And finally he says, like, uh, your friend is, like, really quiet. And Jerry goes, well, that's because he's an Indian, and that's how they are. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story, man. That's a, and so your mom was an artist of what kind? My art, my mom is a painter. Amazing. Uh, she's a painter, and, uh, yeah, she she paints some really crazy stuff. So I grew up with some really crazy, like, just, you know, like, apocalyptic artwork around the house. That's and awesome. then just, like, crazy, like, jam band music going on downstairs. Because all, like, you know, my dad would have all these musicians come by and, like, just the heavy hit of marijuana and, like, (laughs) just, like, the craziest jams going to, like, late in the the evening. Amazing. Yeah. Eighth birthday party, taking mushrooms, going to fish. (laughs) I do. We we don't need to go into my drug use on this podcast. So then when did you kind of discover the bug of acting? You know, what it is is that um, when I was a kid, they tried to get me to play uh, baseball and sports. 
And I was like really bad at baseball and sports because, you know, I just wasn't good at it. And so, uh, they, the little league kind of came to my dad when I was in the sixth grade and they said, we don't think your son should play baseball. We don't think he has the killer instinct to play baseball. So they put me, um, they had me go audition for a play. It was Little Abner, and I got on the stage, and I played Senator Fogbound, and I loved it. I just, like, fell in love with the thing. I couldn't give up the thing. And then we, like, went back, and, like, uh, and then I went back to school and was like, you know, I'm going to do all this stuff. Like, I was doing stuff I shouldn't be doing, like, you know, because I was the only, like, well, one of the few minority kids in my class. Yeah. I played, like, Martin Luther King Jr. Oh and, like, uh, <laughs> Did they have blackface? <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just Martin Luther I was, like... But actually, the thing was is that I got cast as – this is actually the saddest thing. I got cast as Martin Luther King Jr., and then my dad didn't have enough money to keep me going to school, so they had to pull me out for a month because I went to a private school. Were you at LaGuardia? Or? Uh, no, no. This was back in the Bay Area. Oh, okay. Uh, St. Mark's. And so I don't know if I should be shouting out St. Mark's. For the story, but, <laughs> no. You know, whatever. Yeah. So um, they didn't have enough money to put me back in school, so they pulled me out. So there was this other kid in my class who was also equally fat. And they said, well, he'll be Martin Luther King Jr. instead. So I guess in their mind, it was not that Martin Luther King Jr. was a color, but just a certain weight type, I guess. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you can't make that up, man. That's so rad. So then after that, you know, uh, I did like Oliver. I'll never forget. Like, you know, my first line in Oliver was after him. And then we all just like chased after uh, Bill Sykes. And then uh, and then I just started doing musicals as a kid. Okay. I did all the ones you do when you're a kid. You know, do you like, still sing? Or? Um, well, here's the thing is that age has taken my voice away. I always want to sing. Like, yeah. you know, I, I believe I'm a really great singer. My friend who's a really great singer is like, you're not a very good singer. But I always <laughs> believe that I'm a good singer. Um, and I'm always like wanting to like go back and try it again. And like get back into it. I actually know that if I spent actually some time, I could actually. Yeah. I, well, I'm a character singer. Like a character singers, they don't ask a lot. Yeah. If you're like, you know, if you have to bust out that song in Chicago, you don't really need a great voice except for that one note at the end, the yeah. end of song. But, uh, but yeah, I would love to do a musical. Uh, I've, I just haven't done one in a really long time. That's awesome. I don't have. Any singing capabilities? It's or dancing. Actually, I'm so <laughs> uncoordinated. It's well, I just yeah. actually, you know, actually, I saw I saw the show a couple weeks ago. Which one? Have, have you guys seen the prom? No. It's, oh, the the musical. Yeah, the musical yeah. The prom, and like it was actually really beautiful. Because by the way, this, I'm going to be talking a lot about weight because I'm a fat dude, and I apologize. No, dude. Come but on. I went to go see the prom, and uh, I'd seen it previously with the lead, who's normally in the show. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw it the other night. And the understudy was on. And he was in another part in the show, and he was fine. You know, he was just like an ensemble player. He had a good part in the show, but he's just fine. But um, to see him take the the lead, he's a, he's a big guy. He's like an overweight actor. I mean, I'm not trying to, like, denigrate him by saying that. He's a big guy. He knows what he is. So yeah. I'm not going to, like, say anything other totally. than that. And to see him out there singing and dancing, the guy's name is Josh Lehman. Or Lamon, I don't know how he yeah. pronounced his last name, but he was amazing. Because and at first I was like, Oh, it's this guy. He's gonna be playing this part. And then as it went on, I went, Oh my god. He won you over. This is his dream. Like you can see how much joy is in his face. And that was the thing for me, was like I will not remember probably like five, ten years down the line much of the prom. Yeah. But I will remember 
that I cried when I watched him do this one thing because I could feel the joy and the pride of being able to do what he wanted to do emanate from him and just seep into me as an audience member. Wow. So it was really, it was a, it was basically, it was that thing of like, I might not do musicals again, but I got to see what it would be like for someone like me to do that. Totally. And that's so the transcendental nature of theater. I feel like when theater doesn't always work, but when it works, it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, I just saw Jake Gyllenhaal and Seawall Life at the Public. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Nick Payne, he did Constellations. Yeah. 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 Blew me out of the water. It's like I'm, I'm dealing with some parent health issues and it deals with like mortality of parents. And it's just like such a moving piece. And very rarely have I gone back to see a straight play again, but like I found tickets on today ticks and I went back and I saw it again. It just blew me out of the water. So I know what you mean by seeing that kind of performance and just it's so cathartic, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was just talking to someone about like, I'm going to say something controversial which is that I saw A Star is Born and, like, literally me and my friend hated it. Like, I hated it, too. Business. And, like, the whole time, and I sat there and I was like, well, I'm going to give this a shot. You know, it was my, I just got A-list. So yeah. I'm like, hey, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like, whatever. I'm yeah. just here. It's, it was free-ish. Yeah. I'm going to see 10 more movies this month anyway. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I'm really not into this movie in any way, shape, or form. Oh, okay. And then my friend turned to me and she's like, you know, we can just leave. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to stay the whole time. And she's like, we can just leave. And I'm like, no, no, no. So every 20 minutes or so, she would just look at me like, we can leave. And I'm yeah. like, no, no, we're going to stay. I have to vote on this movie because I'm sure this movie's going to get nominated. And I don't, she's like, we can just leave. And then finally, there was that scene when he was in, like, he was on the bench and he was like, oh, by the way, I don't, you know, maybe we shouldn't keep this. In no, no, no. I'm like <laughs> shitting all over a star is born right now. I don't, I love Bradley Cooper. I think yeah. he's a great actor. Yeah. And I think Lady Gaga is a great actor. And I think the movie was fine. But there's a scene on the bench when they're talking on the bench. It was him and like the therapy guy. Oh, Dave Chappelle? No, 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 no. It was, I think it was like Bob Balaban or something oh, like okay. that. Oh, right. okay. And like, and I just, that was the moment when I went, I'm done. Yeah. I am done with this movie. And then, like, she comes in and she's like, are you going to be okay? And I'm like, we can now leave. <laughs> like, I had got, finally gotten to that point where I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we are good to go. Uh, let's go get validated and get the fuck out of here. Um, but then I saw – but then I – my favorite movie of last year was Roma. And I have very personal things about – I first off, I saw Roma – in the best way you could see Roma. You saw it in the theater? I saw it in the theater. I saw the SAG screening. Like, the cast came out. And it was really beautiful to see people that look like, people that look like me. Like, yeah. that, like when I saw Coco, I cried like a bitch because it was beautiful to see repres- – I mean, yeah. it's the thing that people keep saying. Representation matters. Yeah. But it's only when you actually see it. And, like, again, it's like the thing in, like, the, thing in the prom. Yeah. It's when you see the things that you are totally being portrayed in a positive way yeah. that tells stories that you've never seen before. Yeah. You go, oh, yeah, this is why it matters. This is why representation matters. Totally. And Roma, I, cr- I was so enthralled with Roma. And I just it just took me in completely – and I was talking to someone, they go, yeah, that bored the fuck out of me. And I was like, I completely understand because yeah. that's – you didn't connect to it in the same way that I did. Right. Just as I didn't connect in the same way that apparently all of America connected with A Star is Born. I know. Identification so critical. And I didn't connect with Star is Born either. You know, it's hard for me to like care to see a copy of a copy of a copy. It's like the third remake, you mm-hmm. know, and I love Bradley. I thought like acting-wise – I thought he, I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict, and I thought he nailed that. 
I just don't think the story needed to be told. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is that is that real? Like, when I see art and I say art, like movies, theater, I always try to think it's like, is this speaking to to the world today? Does this have something to offer? You know what I mean? And sure, there's there's room for commercial escapism, like La La Land. You know what I mean? Not yeah. not every movie has to be Birdman, but uh, but maybe it should be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah I, I think. I think those commercial success Marvel movies, obviously, there's room for that. But I feel like now it's just drowning out the – I don't want to say the lower middle class art movies, but that's kind of what they are in terms of financial success because it doesn't really make sense for studios to make a $5 million movie that won't probably make $35 million. It will cost to recoup it instead they make a $200 million movie. But – yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I can't believe Roma didn't win Best Picture. I don't know how. Well, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, when you think about it, I understood why Green Book won. Yeah. Uh, it's part of a long storied history as to why Green Book won. And, uh, you know what, I've said a lot of, I've said some things about Green Book. I auditioned for Green Book. I'm not going to lie. You I did. did. Yeah. I did audition for Green Book. Um, I auditioned for the hot dog guy at the no beginning way. of the movie. Yeah. And I, by the way, I had a very funny audition for that because we taped. It was a self-tape. And uh, and I, I do crazy things on my self-tapes that I should not do. I love uh, it. I do, basically, do you work with a coach or do you do it yourself? No, I just have this woman that I use a lot, uh, Kelly Klein. She's really great. Awesome. I highly recommend her for self-tapes. Um I actually feel it's more personal. Like I like to work more personally when I'm taping. It's strange because when I when I go to places that I don't normally tape, sometimes I'm like, uh, like yeah. the other day I taped on something and it was not with my normal people, and I was yeah. like, and they would have corrected the thing. That's the thing. They they Kelly knows exactly when to be like, yeah, you're not doing the thing you do. And yeah. I go, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. But uh, but yeah, no, I've definitely. I was like, oh, I wish she was in town. She was on vacation getting engaged in Venice. But um, <laughs> Have you ever worked with Ted Sloberski? I haven't worked with Ted. That's I who I work with. Ted. He is incredible. I, I just had one for the deuce. and It was like mm-hmm. a super intense scene and it was going to require me to be full frontal. But like anytime I've worked Every with him. Every scene in the deuce requires you <laughs> to be <know>. full frontal. <laughs> but yeah, he's incredible. And I, I remember I met him at, when I was at NYU. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think he'd mind me saying this. But I could just tell he was miserable and he hated most of the students. But he, like, turned to me and he was like, you're going to work. And I was like, whoa. Like, okay. And then he, like, doesn't take a lot of people on as coaches because I didn't realize how in demand he was because he was just my teacher at NYU. You don't really, you know, I wasn't in the real world yet understanding the acting game. And he's incredible. I mean, anytime I've been able to get in with him, I get a call back. You know, Great. I you definitely should work. I'll connect you too. Thank you. I appreciate. Yeah. It. I mean, Bobby Krakauer is my guy. When I gotta like do the thing, yeah, I love Bobby. Um, and like it's actually I I definitely um, I say that he is part of the reason why I'm in where I'm at right now because the work that we did, especially because when I go to work on the really personal stuff. It's really just the work that we did. Of It's really simplicity about really just being so simple to open the doors to something that's inside. And it's really – it's when it works, it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, um, when it doesn't work, you tape at other places. <laughs> um, but I uh, – but yeah, so for the, for the Green Book audition, I went to like a hot dog place to – like before I went in and we had like four hot dogs. I'm like – Look, I know the exact amount of takes we have to do because I have four hot dogs. And this is about, like, so I just was, like, eating a hot dog and I just, like, shoving hot dogs in my oh. face and, like, ad-libbing while, like, a hot dog, like, piece is, like, sticking out of my mouth. 
But I've done that with I've that's an old trick I've done. Like I do that with chicken, like right, Joey Chestnuts. Like I'll do like a scene where I'm like talking to someone, like eating a piece of chicken. I'm like, this is really like this is a really intense scene, and I'm diffusing it with just eating this chicken. Um, and I tried to do that today in an audition. I was like, I brought I brought I was like, oh, I'm gonna bring it into the audition because so many people were like, well, I don't know if you should do it in the room, and I'm like, I'll do it in the room. Why not? Whatever. I don't I care. And like she was like. Uh, you know, this is a drama, right? You yeah. don't need, like, that's really comic when you start eating the food. And I'm like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> that banana bread is staying in the bag. Do you and Glenn Fleshler go out for a lot of the same roles? You know what? We actually, um, we do and we don't. Uh, there was a point many years ago when I was going in, uh, there was, uh, as his son for some things. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I think we're kind of like, well, he, he'll get it every time. I mean, like, I'm not gonna like lie. It's actually, there's a few people who are in my type. I mean, Glenn's a little out of my, he's a little, um, he's kind of he's, moving he's on to a, the A-list now. Yeah, he's pretty much a straight offer, I think. Yeah, now, yeah. Kind of guy. It's actually funny. We were just, we just both did a movie. Um, is he cool? You know him? I've met him once. Yeah. Uh, briefly in passing and he was great. Yeah. He was really nice. Uh, and actually I, uh, it's very funny cause, uh, this goes to the Nick. Uh, I was always kind of worried. I was, I got like really worried on my first day of the Nick and I was like, they're going to fire me. They're going to fire me. And then like one day they posted for a part that was like, we're looking for like a guy that's like a brash, like investigator kind of guy who's a little overweight and da da da. I'm like. They're going to fire me! <laughs> and the person who got it was Glenn Fletchler. And it was just like a one-off scene. And I was like, I don't know why. I, but then, you know, they ended up killing me. But, um, spoiler for the Nick. Uh, Amazing. What <laughs> was that for like? a show like three or four years ago. That experience. Because that show is incredible. I, I I don't know if Cinemax still does original content. but oh, they, they still do original content. Basically what they did was that they took a real chance um, with the Nick and with Outcast and, and Corey, with right? Corey. Yeah, yeah. And um, what they learned from taking that out that was that it was really great to work with those artists, but that they didn't think the viewership was there for those shows. That that wasn't right, the right fit for that channel. So they immediately went back to like another season of Strike Back, yeah. and we're bringing back all of the breasts and guns. You know, there, there's like this inherent darkness. I feel like to New York City, and most shows like skip over that, or they kind of brighten it up, Sex mm-hmm. in the City style. And I feel like that show really got that. Like Clive Owen's incredible. Clive was amazing. Yeah, like I mean, he, one of the best, I would argue. I mean, he's just when he's on, he's so he's electric. He's yeah. kinetic, and. Uh, yeah, that show, it, it was so dark and haunting. And I remember, like, it was a labor of love watching it because I remember just, like, seeing the procedures and all that. You have a visceral response. But your character was incredible. I mean, what we're skipping ahead a little bit here, but what was that experience like, being a part of something that big? I mean, well, first off, I think I should talk about how I got that. Part. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I had uh... – So, l- l- all right, let's start – you grew up, you were doing the musicals, the plays. When did you come to New York? I came to New York about 10, 11 years ago to go to school at Columbia University. What happened was that I was doing all the stuff. I left the stuff. I uh, I came back when I was like... So I you, came, you were in New York, you left? No, no, and- no, no. no. I, was in, I, was in, I was doing the stuff in the Bay Area. And like, oh, okay. I was basically... I was doing the stuff in the Bay Area. Then I went to school in Chicago for six months. What school? Uh, DePaul University. Oh, yeah. DePaul's yeah. great. And for drama? I, uh, for, yeah, for, for undergrad uh, drama. 
And I realized that I didn't like the program and that I had this whole like girl at home kind of thing, ah. you know. It's like, ah, this Gotta is get back wrong. to my woman. <laughs> and guess what? It didn't work out. And so, and then I like made three films when I was like, and I've made three full length features. We spent probably $150,000 on terrible movies, but we did it. We made three full-length features. Like Mumblecore style? Um, One of them was like a 16 millimeter color in black and white. It was like about kid, teenagers and like Denny's and, and suicide. Amazing. And then the next one was like, I was really inspired by Lars von Trier. So we did this like whole like college, like we did the kingdom, but in a college dorm. I don't know if you've seen the kingdom, but it's yeah. all like haunted and everything. And so, and like, and that was like six hours long, and then we cut it down to an hour and a half. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> and it was shot on video, and, and so like, it was not good. But we tried, yeah. and then we made a movie about making the movies, and that was, and that actually was when I actually officially came back as an actor. Um, and it was like, oh, I like this movie, and I wrote, I wrote and directed all the movies, Amazing. and then we didn't. Can, can we find them? Uh, no, they've, they've been pretty well hidden. They're buried. I think, I think, I think my producer of, the, of, of, of two of the movies has tried to put one of them out, and I'm always like, eh, we don't have to show that. <laughs> uh, although the last movie was probably the best movie, because we actually, I had learned. I mean, that's the thing, is the first movie, it was a total d- I was like the worst director. In, I, first off, I didn't have any skill or knowledge of how to direct. Yeah. I learned the one thing you have to know to be a good director, which is you hire well. As long as you hire well, meaning a good DP, a good gaffer, you hire a good gaffer, you hire good actors, you hire good sound. Sound is like the most important thing you can hire because <laughs> if you do not hire, shout good, out Blue Snowball mics. <laughs> you cannot fix. Ba- I mean, you can kind of fix bad sound, but like especially if you're doing like a like the level of filmmaking we were doing, yeah. no. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of your film school. That was so my film school. Was we did the three films. And then, and then I was like worked at Whole Foods for like twelve years in the Bay Area. Yeah, in the Bay Area. And then, um, and then I kind of was like, ah, you know, I need to like get out of this. I need to like move on in my life. I need to like, and I thought I would just like do something like I keep doing what I was doing, which is like side projects, but keep a real job and keep like a real. Did life. you have a rep in the Bay Area? No, 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 no. nobody wanted me because like I was just not. Um, my relationship with the Bay Area is very funny. They kind of think of me as like an underdog. Like no one in the Bay Area cared anything about me. Like I was no, I was nothing to no one except a few people that I worked with that I was, you know, I really loved working for Impact wow. Theater. I really loved working for Custom Made Theater Company. San Francisco Shakespeare was quite kind to me. Um, I understudied at Berkeley Rep and like you know, but like like the like ACT is like go f- yourself. So then you're you're at Whole Foods, you're in the Bay Area. Yeah. When do you come to New York? I um I kind of started well they think they do this thing at ACT uh where they have like grad schools come and like do like week I did I actually did this thing called ACT called the Young Conservatory. Uh, sorry, the summer training program. Yeah. So I went and did the summer training program, which was essentially an MFA over a summer. So you got the t- it's like a sampler, like, oh, this is what this is, got and it. this is what this is, and this is this is. And I said I really like this. And yeah. I had just gone back in. Like, I did this thing called the mountain play where you do a play on the side of a mountain. It was usually a musical. Like, wow. we did, like, Bye Bye. And it was, like, 3,000 people come to see the show. It was huge. So it's, like, like Williamstown of San Francisco. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and they had this legendary director by the name of Jim Dunn, who I had worked at, at the College of Moran, who had just recently passed away. And it's hard to hear that. And that's it's fine. And he yeah. was really one of the, the reasons that I do the things I do. I mean, if the, the people who, like, honestly, the people who, like, Trained me and taught me what I was doing when I was a child. 
basically put me on this path. People like Marilyn Estepsky, uh, Kathy Arati, Jim Dunn. These are the artistic fathers and mothers. I had Kathy directed me in um, Little Abner, and uh, Marilyn directed me in Little Shop of Horrors, and uh, and Jim directed me in a bunch of stuff. But anyway, so um, so we did. I did all these shows and put all the taste back in my mouth of like I want to do this. So I did the summer training program, and then I and then they have this thing at ACT where they basically have all the MFAs come. And you can just go room to room to room and audition for each one. Wow. So I would walk in. I'd be like, oh, hey, what are you? What are you? Okay, I don't know what you are. NYU, sure. Pace, I don't know what you are. Wait, yeah. what are you? Who are you? I don't know. Well, here's money. You take walk-ins? And, like, some of them didn't take walk-ins. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But the ones that took walk-ins, I walked in. I paid my $50. I did my monologue. They didn't call me back, and I left. Yeah. And then I'd walk in again and do my monologue. They didn't call me back, and I left. But it, I felt, you know, it made me feel like I was doing something. So you did this a couple of years in a row? I did this two years in a row. The first year, nothing. I think ACT was, like, the only one. Then I did Shakespeare and Company up in Lenox, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, and I did, they have a, uh, they have a training conservatory. They have, I'm sorry. They have, a, they have a training program. They basically take a month, and, like, it's really about personalizing Shakespeare and really kind of destroying the boundaries. And really, it's about the story of you. It's not the story of... That, but still kind of like respecting the verse, but like finding yourself in the verse. So, um, so I did a month long there actually because this guy, Dennis Krausnick, who also just passed away, it's going to be a lot of ghosts. Uh, but Dennis was amazing and he, just the way that he worked with me, I saw like, it was the first steps of really taking this thing and making it not about this external thing, but this internal thing. Totally. And so then after that, I came back and I was like, this is amazing. I want to do this. Uh, I want to like, and so when I went back in for my next round of the same going room to room to room, I found out that Kristen Linklater was in one of the rooms and Kristen Linklater founded, basically co-founded Shakespeare and company. Wow. So I was like, this is kismet. Like, I don't care about like anything other than I want to meet this woman who I've been trained her. I've been trained. I've been, been, been training with her, um, with her vocal work. And, uh, and I went to Shakespeare and company, which is basically, the extension of her work. So I just want to meet her. I don't yeah. really care about if I get into the program. I just want to meet her. Totally. So I went in and I met her and I, you know, I auditioned for Columbia and then I was like, this is amazing. And then I found out like a couple weeks later, I was called back. So I came out to New York and Are I went up for the final call back, for the final call back, wow. uh, up at a one sixteenth and, uh, uh, and whatever, one sixteenth Broadway. Uh, and I basically, you know, they had you do your pieces again? We did a lot of things. We yeah. basically, and then that's when I met the rest of the staff, like Andre Serban and Nicky Who's the, who's the Andre Serban is like a European director. He's like, got it. Uh, he's the, he was the head of the program at the time. And Nikki, who was like the movement teacher and um, the clown teacher and uh, Andrea Herring and, and Kristen again. And it was a beautiful day. And it was like, I met my, I met a lot of different people that day and, uh, Came home, and then it was in the time that my father had cancer. Oh. So, um... It was a heavy time in your life. It was kind of a heavy time in my life. Yeah. And, uh... I, uh... My... And I, I basically, after that weekend... Actually, I hadn't gotten called back yet. Nothing about the thing the called back happened. But my father... No, actually, it was after the callback. I came back. I did the New York thing. My father passed in early March of that year. Sorry for your loss. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. And then I found I was on the waiting list for Columbia. So it was these two heavy things. And actually, the funny thing is. You is walked that, away feeling like you got in from that. Kind I of, felt yeah. like I had gotten yeah. in, but then I was on the waiting list and I was like, I get it. Yeah. And uh, and then my, uh, my the day my dad died, my roommate called 
It's like, hey, by the way, I'm buying a condo. You have to move out at the end of the month. So it was like this whole like bad things coming through. Like it was a shift. <laughs> like uh, it was the first. It was a huge shift. Like every ten years. There's a shift. I'm sure there's a shift on the way. Yeah. But there was a huge shift. And so I was like, wow, I was not expecting any of this. So I had to find a new place. So I got a new place. In San Francisco. In San Francisco. Um, and I got a new job. And I was like super – I was still working for Whole Foods. But I was doing a new thing that I was going to be doing. And like – and then like – and I bought this like tricycle, this adult tricycle because I can't ride a bike. And I was like riding all around around town this huge tricycle, which I guess isn't that un 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 New York, no one would bad tricycle. In San Francisco, like, what's up with this tricycle? Um, but anyway, so I got off the waiting list, um, and, and, I, and I, I found out that I was going to Columbia, so I had to sell everything, get rid of my apartment, um, which I ended up giving to a friend of mine, and um, and moving out here. And then I went through the program. The program was amazing. And um, were you happy to kind of leave San Francisco behind with all that baggage, so to speak? It was a brand new world. It was yeah. a world that I hadn't lived in before. New York. Um, that, yeah, New yeah. York. I mean, I visited. Uh, I mean, I saw – I remember when I – I think maybe a year before I – like the, the height of it, I saw Red Light Winter. Yeah, um, Adam Rapp. Adam Rapp. And it touched me in such a way that I said, this is the kind of theater I want to do. This is the kind of um, – worlds i want to explore it was just so beautiful and personal and heartbreaking totally. and i remember uh lisa joyce yeah. uh she came out for her bow and she just had tears still streaming down her face because you knew that the emotional journey she went through that play just wrecked her even yeah. at the curtain call she hadn't fully been able to put the animal back in the box and it was beautiful and i said that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff i want to do is where you're devastated and you come out and you bow and then you go home and you, yeah. you know like and you walk it off. Um, but so, so what was your experience like at grad school? It was great. It was beautiful. Um, it was three year program. Three year program. Uh, great people. Great classmates. Uh, they have a relationship with uh, Classic Stage Company. Don't they, they do. They yeah. do. We actually did our in the third year. We did um, as you like it um, over there, and I did the two Dukes. Uh, the good Duke and the bad Duke. Uh, so you're you're a, you're a theater geek like me. I'm a theater geek. I love yeah. theater. Yeah, so yeah, you're, yeah. you're you kind of came into this like I want to crush theater. Film yeah, and TV yeah, yeah, weren't yeah. on your mind as much, or film and TV was a little on my mind. But honestly, I thought that I was just gonna like the reason why I went to grad school was because I was sick and tired of playing small stages. Yeah, I wanted to play the big stages, and I said, well, this is the only way. It's like I knew that if I came out here and did a bunch of stuff on the big stages, that I could do the small stages. I that I could do the stages and like. That I want to do in San Francisco. Yeah. And all the other, but the funny thing is, I don't want to do those stages anymore. Yeah. I'm like, well, you guys don't care about me, so why would I care about you? And honestly, I mean, anyways. So, yeah, I get it. So, uh, so I, um, you, you finished grad school. I finished grad school. Oh, actually, so my first big, my first gig, this is a funny story. Uh, my first gig was I, uh, was actually came during grad school. I had done, uh, I went up to Shakes and Co and done like a summer internship. Where we had done, um, what's, the, the, what's the twin one? Comedy Verse. We were doing Comedy oh, Verse. Um, and we did that in uh, rep with this really terrible play that we did all summer long, which I don't remember the name of that show because they wrote it for us. It was like, we're going to do a scene, and then we're going to do a scene from Shakespeare, and then we're going to do this really badly written scene, and another scene from Shakespeare. But anyway, so we did that. And in the middle of that, I, uh, I had applied for this gig on Actors Access. Okay. No, it wasn't even. It was casting networks. It was wow. like not even actor signs. No way. And um, and it was uh, they were looking for like a person in my type who was Italian who could uh do this movie 
called Il Giorno and Pew. And so uh, they sent me the sides and I had to like ask. This is like one of the, like I had done a self tape before, but this was like actually like a New York self tape. I had not done a New York self tape. So I, yeah. I had to like talk to someone like, does anyone have a camera? We need to tape this thing for this movie that I'm not going to get. And like, well, you know, we could look around and see who has a camera. And like one of my friends had a camera. So um, we went and we worked on it. And the thing is, is that half the characters' lines are in Italian. And I don't speak any Italian whatsoever. Wow. So basically, I had to like go and find people who spoke Italian and be and like, phonetically how do you say that? Phonetically write it out. <laughs> and like, then I'd watch their mouths and then they'd watch mine and be like, you are not saying it right at all. And my friend watched who taped me, he was just like, you're not even saying any of these words. You are not getting this job. And I was like, I know, but we're doing it anyway. And then I, I feel like in the middle of it, I had to like go down to New York and, I think we tried to do it again but then my finally the big thing was that uh, i come i came back from shakes and co and the director flew in from italy and uh it was like a non-union movie this is this is back when i do used to do non-union movies <laughs> and and you can by the way you can find a non-union movie on casting networks if totally. you take anything from this podcast you can actually get good non-union work off of casting networks huge advice there you yeah. go um i can you can get a good commercial too but you should join the union. But anyway, that's that's beside the point. <laughs> no, good note. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, if you want to be fight card, whatever, choose a side. But anyway, um, so uh, so uh, the director, the casting director, called me and said, "We want you to meet the director." So I came in to meet the director, and like this was a you know this was a movie that was going to shoot in here and in Italy, and I was like, "I'm not getting this movie. I don't speak any Italian whatsoever." Yeah. And I'm like, they want to see you. So I went to go meet the director. And I remember it was over at uh, that place that's across the street from the public. Oh, um, God. Uh, Indio Chine or? No, that big, big building. It's like where uh, Playwrights School is and all that stuff. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. I don't know Ashton, what we're Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I went in there and I met the director and I met the casting director. And I absolutely fucked up every line in the scene. Like, <laughs> Every line that was written was not said correctly, was said garbled, was said just like, and it was me doing the Italian. I think it was both the Italian and the American were bad. Like, it was just a bad callback. I was Ah, like, I am so sorry that you wasted your time to see me not hit it at all. And I um, I went home and I was like, well, that's okay. And so we were doing our thesis at Columbia and uh, the dates were set. And I knew exactly what the dates for the thesis were. And so the casting director called and she goes, hey, just so you know, they want to cast you in this movie. And I'm like, what are the dates? Because, again, I had never dealt with any of this stuff. Like, this is like me just being like, I mean, I basically I made three movies by myself. (laughs) Like, I didn't like, you know, like, what's the deal? What's going on? Like, What's exciting? And so I was like, yeah, what are the dates? And she's like, well, these are the dates. And I go, oh, man, you know, one of these dates is like. In the middle of my tech for my thesis. And I have to go get permission. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I just don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. And I think I was like, can you move these dates? And she's like, are you kidding me? Like, you are not, like, we are not, like, doing this on our own. This is the Italian broccoli company. You're not Glenn Fleschler. So I was like, okay, well. um." And so I said, no, you know, I'm so sorry. I just can't do the movie. And so a couple days later, she called back and she's like, look, they really want you to do this movie. 
is there any way you can just get out of that tech? And I'm like, you know what? I guess I'll try and oh, find out. I totally, I guessed it. And I was like, I'm getting away with this. Like now I'm like the balls on this guy. But I was like, I didn't know. I didn't care. I was like, whatever. Like I was like, I'm doing art with Andre Serban right now. Like I we really are, got a tech I can't miss for your movie. We're doing the three sisters and no one has ever seen this play before. So anyway, so I, um, so you go to Italy. So, so actually, so actually the first thing is we shot here in New York. So we shot – here's the weird thing about this movie. The director's wife was pregnant. So what they had to – and he wanted to be there when the birth was. Yeah. So they had to shoot all the exteriors of New York so they could get New York in the movie. Got it. But then they shot all the interiors in Italy. So like – it's like they could have shot my scenes anywhere. Yeah. But they just were like, look, we have to get the streets. Yeah. So like I shot in the streets in New York for like two days and then – and then, like, the day after my thesis closed, I flew out to Milan. And uh, we got out there to Milan, and I met one of the actors in the movie, like, really nice guy named Jack. And me and Jack, we like, oh, man, this is great. So um, I was like, this is amazing. And I had never had a per diem. Yeah. I never had any. I never, again, I had Did never they fly done, first class? No, they didn't, uh, because uh, this is <laughs> a non-union movie. Yeah, right, like, right. I was, like, wedged in between two people all the way to Italy. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. Like, they flew me, like, look, this is... And also, I didn't have a passport. I'm like, I'm not going to do your movie. I don't have a passport. <laughs> like, they broke so many things to get me in this movie. Wow. They had to expedite my passport. Like, again, it was supposed to be there for me. That's all I can say. Because So, anyway, so we get to Italy, and I get to the hotel, and I'm, like, really cautious because I'm like, oh... You know, I don't want to. I don't want to order too much. They're like, "Look, you just got off your flight. Order some food, and then we'll get you going to set." And I'm like broke, so I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'll order yeah. some food." But I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to order very sparingly because, again, I'm paying for this. And so then they go like, "Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, so uh, when you get a chance, don't worry about anything. Just charge it to the room because we'll get charged to the IBC, which is the Italian Broadcasting Company." I'm like, "Oh, okay, great." So I, you know, that meal was very sparing. The next meal, I got a little more daring. And then the next meal was like, f*** it, who cares? <laughs> I'm a bottle of Chianti. And like one of the other the other guy, Jack, was like, I know, it's great, right? I've been shooting on this movie forever. You can eat whatever you want, and they're just going to keep, you know, giving you per diem. And I'm like, really? So we're like, we're like eating, like we're like having like big meals and like, and we're only, I'm only there for like a week. And then like I go to get my per diem. It was like going for a drug deal. Like I had to go into someone's like hotel room and it was like super dark. <laughs> And it's she amazing. even said, and this Italian woman, she's like, oh, it's kind of like a drug deal, right? And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> you <laughs> Except got it's money. in euros. Euros is like the drug. So anyway, so um, so I was there for Thanksgiving. So me and Jack were like, look, we're here for Thanksgiving. F*** it. Let's just blow it out. Yeah. IBC is paying for the whole thing. Yeah. So we go down to the cafeteria, and we just, it was just the two of us. Like, literally, it was just me and him. We ate everything on the menu <laughs> everything we were just like ordering <laughs> we didn't even eat some of the stuff and we were just kept laughing it doesn't matter we're not paying for it <laughs> we're not paying for it the ibc is paying for it <laughs> and like and then we both would fight like you want to charge your room no you charge your room you charge your room you charge your room and so jack had to leave before i think he left the day before i left so i was back up in my room and at 6 a.m i get this call from him being like hey just so you know they charged us for everything we ate. Oh, my God. 
So we had to pay, like, basically, I think we had, like, 300 euros as a per diem. I think I had to pay, like, $150 beyond what I, my, my per diem was. <laughs> we had to pay, like, a couple hundred dollars more. Like, it was this, like, we ate, like, pigs. <laughs> like, and, like, so that's when I learned, like, you got to be cool with that per diem. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was uh, so that was the first thing. What an awesome the story! Movie, and, and it was also just funny because the sides. were... Did anything ever end up happening with that film? Yeah, it was a huge hit in Italy. It was. Yeah, wow. and, like in my jobs that I have, like I was at one point a um, one of those people that you go see a show at TKTS. Um, yeah, and like and I, and you're like, oh, I wonder what I should go see, and I'm like, oh, you should go see this really terrible show that's doing badly that I'm going to suggest to you because um, I'm getting paid to do that. Yeah, and like they'd be like, oh. Why would I do that? I'm like, because I'm getting paid like money yeah. to tell you to not go see Chicago, which is what you were going to see, or Mamma Mia, which yeah. is what you were going to go see, and go see this absolute piece of shit that nobody wants to go see. Totally. That's going to be terrible. And so one day I was doing this, and this guy goes, hey, I know you. My girlfriend loves you. And I'd be like, what? And like, there was like a huge hit in Italy. That's um, amazing. And I had to take pictures with people and stuff like that. And I was like, wow. So rad. This movie actually. Yeah. So but it was weird. It was a funny movie. And um, so then after grad school, did, did you get an app uh, wrapped through the showcase? We did a showcase in New York and we did a showcase in LA. And where did you decide to build up? Um, I decided, well, because of the response, New York was obviously the place I was going to live. LA is like, you're not pretty. So get the f- out of Dude, here. LA, I tell people all the time, it's nepotism, divine beauty, and trust funds. And sometimes all three. And it even doesn't work out for those fuckers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And I honestly, I mean, I you know what? I've gone back to LA and I felt the love of LA, but I had to build it here to get it there. Yeah, and totally. that's the thing people always, like, that's the thing you have to remember. I think people have this really naive old guard perception of like, if I want to be a film TV actor, I got to go to Los Angeles. And it's like, don't go to Los Angeles without credits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like there's 150,000 prom kings and queens that are on a bus right now that are landing in LA that are all going for the serving gigs and things like that and have nothing. Yeah. You know, why would you turn away from New York theater with some of the best people that's like off off Broadway will do anything better than you'll ever do in LA? Yeah. And, and yeah, and if you want to play like dog parts, just go to Atlanta. Like if you want to do all that Fucking go like as they will tell you when I shot a movie down in Atlanta, they will consistently tell you every like you'll go like eat somewhere and they're like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but seventy percent of what's being shot is being shot in Atlanta. And you're like, okay, that's cool. And then you're like, go get like you know, go get like your dry clean. Like, I don't know if you know this, but seventy percent of what's being shot is being shot in Atlanta. <laughs> and like they love to tell you that because they want you to know that seventy percent of what's being shot in the United States is being shot in Atlanta. I just did an Atlanta showcase <laughs> and I hated it. And <laughs> I'm not. I mean. I have no respect to disrespect to anyone who lives in Atlanta, but it's not for me. But so then you're here. And, so I'm here. And you you have an agent? Uh, yes, I had an agent. Uh, my first agent going out of school. Uh, and then I went straight into um, doing doing classes at those places. And I like doing classes at those places. At the various pay yeah, for play? Yeah, doing the various pay for play. Actors Connection, one-on-one. And how was your experience with that? It was very uh, – Hot and cold. Well, you know what? Here's the thing, and this is what I this is why I recommend them because I get it. I get the whole like, necessary. Why do I have to pay for an audition? And it's like you're not actually paying for an audition. What you're paying for is you're paying for to understand what it's like to be in front of this person. Yeah, and you have to understand the vibe of this person and what they like and what they don't like. So when you do actually have to go in for that person, you actually understand how to work the room. Yeah, 
It's just to meet the person and to understand who they are and to create the relationship because this whole business is about relationships. 100%. And so you you can't like, you know, like I went to a school that I had a pretty good showcase. I had a pretty good following coming out of it. and I, But I didn't know a lot of the people in, in, in out there. Mm-hmm. So it was basically about fostering and meeting all those people and kind of like also just get a better – like I call it going to the gym. I don't go to the gym. Yeah. Um, but it's where I go to the gym. It's where I do my work. It's yeah, where I kind of like great work shape. on the acerbic, listening, to, working on the listening. It's all about that, you know, finding out where my problem spots are. Oh, you're not so great at this. Maybe you need to work on that. So it's, you know, that's what I take them for. So I um, So it was great. And I, uh, but I, the, the funny thing is where my career began, the story I love to tell. Ah, oh, I'm excited. So I, um, I went to Actors Connection. And by the way, I tell the story having told everyone involved with this story. So everyone involved in the story has heard the story a million times. Although once in a while, like, like an old like timer, I will regale the story to people who have never seen an Actors Connection. And actually the other day I was over there and the woman who runs Actors Connection came up and like, they kind of gave me this vibe like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm doing a self-tape? Why are you talking to me right now? And don't you understand that my entire career was built off of this accident that happened right here? But anyway... So I got like free sessions off of something. Yeah. So I was supposed to meet Paul Davis. Okay. From Kaleri. And I showed up and I was like, you know, I had my signs. I had like my, I was all dressed up and like, and I went to go check in. I'm like, okay, checked in. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to use the bathroom real quick. And so I went to the bathroom and this is what, like, this is how they used to have the bathrooms. They've fixed them since. But the door got jammed. So I couldn't actually Get out of the bathroom. You were locked in? I was locked in the bathroom for like two hours. Oh, my and God. And they were like trying to get me out of there. And I'm like, hey. And then they felt really bad. They kept like shoving stuff under the bathroom door. <laughs> like that like that agents and managers address book. They're like, here you go. And I'm like, I don't need this. And like, he was a casting director. So I'm like, well, I don't need that either. Like, I got, a, I got an appointment with Paul Davis right now. And I'm stuck in this bathroom. So, you know, I was stuck in there for two hours. And at the end of the two hours, they like finally got me out, and uh, and like I walk, I watched. I was like, "Hey, Paul!" He's like, "I thought I was supposed to meet you tonight." I know. Well, I got stuck in the bathroom. He's like, "Ha ha ha!" And so I went up, and they're like, "Well, you know, obviously, if you'd like to meet with Paul, we're happy to give you another free meeting with Paul." And I'm like, "Or you, or what else you got?" Like, yeah. okay. And so they're like, "Well, do you want to? Have you met anyone from Bowling Meets yet?" I'm like, "No, I haven't met anyone from Bowling Meets yet." Like, you want to meet Melissa Moss? And I'm like, "Sure." Because that was back when Melissa was still with them. Got and um, so I went and I took the class with Melissa. And I learned <laughs> – so here's the thing. Here's the thing about some of the some of the, some of the, play, uh, the pay-to-play places. Some places, they audition everyone. Yeah. And so they, they make vet. sure they, – they really vet them. Yeah. Some places, <laughs> they don't vet people. People and come so right from Port Authority. Anyone can be taking these classes. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. And uh, I don't remember this person's name. But I just like an older man, like a, like a, he came in, he's doing this cop thing. He's like, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out there and we're going to go find these people. And then we're going <laughs> to. I'm so sorry, Melissa. <laughs> broke I'm so sorry. I didn't do these lines, but I just didn't work on them enough. I'm so sorry. Uh, can I? Can I, can I just, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to screw up in front of you like this. I hope this doesn't mean that I'll never be on Blue Bloods. <laughs> can I start over again? And even like, like even if he'd nailed it the second time, which he did not, <laughs> you're not going to pull out of that firestorm of oh. 
God. So luckily, I was in that class. And you were the shining star. I guess I must have. I came in, and I'm like, I'm a weirdo pervert. And I'm like, I'm like okay, cool, cool, cool. I like your weirdo pervert. But then I ended up getting um, – I, I ended up getting on their roster of being brought in for them. Amazing. And I got a co-star on Blue Buds. That was my first thing that I booked. And was that what got you the union ticket? No. Uh, that was uh, – there was basically three things happened that, that like – Winter was that basically I got blue bloods and then I did this pilot of the show called Gotham, not the Gotham that went, but the Gotham that didn't go. Nobody knows about the show. It's oh, a, it's a pilot that, that uh, Francis Lawrence did with like because uh, you did do Gotham that I went. did do Gotham also. Yeah. but this one was uh, it was this weird show that I don't even know why they called it Gotham, but it was basically about like these two like ghost hunter like I actually they were ghosts they were like they were fighting like spirits and like creatures all throughout New York and it was like this big like mysterious piece and they had all these really cool people in it and um so i ended up shooting that uh and that was cast by bowling misha also um, so they were it's a, been a really good game changer office for that them. was that was honestly it was it was it was those two back to back it was blue bloods and then gotham and then and then it became this whole thing about this movie side effects and so side effects is a movie that steven soderbergh did yeah with rooney mara and, Jude and matt Law. damon right uh or, oh yeah, I think Matt yeah. was. I think he's yeah. in like yes, 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 yes. You did that film? Yes, I I did that film. I uh, it's actually how I started my relationship with Steeman. 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 Um It's how I began my relationship with Steven and uh, Carmen, uh, his casting director. Carmen Cuba. Yeah, Carmen Cuba. She's the biggest. She's she she's was, got Stranger Things, right? She's got Stranger Things. Yeah, uh, and I always want to be on that show. Yeah, um, where but, you at, Carmen? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm. Hey, trust me, Carmen has done a lot for me. I mean, Bowling Misha started the ball, but Carmen like Kept Carmen it going. gave me a career. Carmen was the one who really changed everything for me, and I can never thank Carmen enough wow. for what she's done for me. And that that's like truth and honesty, like. I so respect and thank her for what she did for me. So what what would you have to say for those people that are going in for co-star guest stars? What's what was your experience like doing that? You know, you would you, I imagine you had a couple lines. It wasn't a big scene or was it? You know, oh, so, for for side for, effects? For and for Blue Bloods. For and, Blue Bloods it was basically, you know, you basically with co-stars, you just got to know that like you're one of 20,000 like you know you're one of way more like when you're going in for a co-star everybody's hungry for it and you just have to like really know what you're doing be very specific be grounded and be yourself yeah um and i know people are always people are always like well should i be this should i be that should i be this just be yourself i mean this whole thing basically boils down to that the whole difference between theater and film is that when you do theater you can be anything yeah you can be transformational when you do film and television, you're exactly what you are. Right. And that's all you can be. And, like, yeah, there's, like, like variations on what you're going to be. But, honestly, in the end, I'll be all, you're going to be you. Yeah. Which is why, like, I mean, I mean, you know, the, the law and order thing. I'm always getting brought in for, like, you know, this sex pervo. Yeah. Like, this pedophile or this, you know. Like, I, my, my first thing for this is, the, this is my funny story about law and order. I apologize. I'm veering. Um, but the no. first time I ever got called in. For Law and Order, uh, there was three parts in the breakdown. And the parts were fat cop, fatter cop, fattest cop. (laughs) And I was like, look, I'm going for fat cop or fatter cop. (laughs) I'm not doing fattest cop. But I don't really want to be fattest cop. (laughs) I was called back for fatter cop. 
<laughs> so I was pretty happy about that. And here's a little thing. They don't do this anymore, um, but they used to do this. Uh, this is why I can feel free with telling some of these stories. Totally. Is that they used to do the thing where if you went in for Law & Order SVU – You'd walk in and it would just be a whole room of producers. They didn't tell me that the first time. Wow. I was expecting like it would be like when I – because I went in The CA. With, yeah. I went, yeah. In, I went in with like Jonathan Strauss. I'm yeah. like me and Jonathan sat in his office and Jonathan's very soft-spoken. He kind of looked me in the eyes and we kind of said the thing. Yeah. And it was really like this. But then I walk in and there's 15 people against a wall on a video camera and I'm like ah! – Oh. I did not get fatter cop. Oh. Um, I still haven't actually broken the old Law and Order cherry. I just had my first audition for that office on Friday, and I, go? Like, it was a two liner. I have no idea how to get. Like, give me a monologue or you know something in Ibeck, and I can tell you how it went. Give me two lines. I'm like, I got no f- idea, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And those things are so tough. That's why I asked about the co-star guest star because I feel like that's such an art to master in itself to just have two lines and. Not try to get in your head about it and just know that, like, that is what it is. You're there to move the narrative along and not to make too much out of it. Well, yeah, and also it's the other thing is, like, people really overthink it. Like, I get, it's always like I'll go, like, when I go in for a small part in a movie, I get, like, super paranoid that I overthought everything too much. Or I'll talk to somebody and be like, well, I'm thinking about this. And I'm like, you don't have to think about that. You're good to go. You're just like, yeah, I see him sometimes on Sunday. Yeah. Wow. Um, but, yeah, so uh, – so yeah, so go back to side effects. So side effects. So I basically got called in for side effects for this this uh, this character who was talking to his therapist, um, and I didn't get that part. Mm-hmm. And then there was this whole thing with another actor that basically uh, there was some issues with their schedule, and I don't I don't really want to get more than beyond that. But they were trying to resolve the issues with their schedule and. Um, there was the possibility that they didn't really, like figure out the issues with their schedule that I would be playing that part because I had taped it and um, they liked it, but they liked the other actor too and they they liked the other actor much more and they were just trying to figure out this whole scheduling thing. So um, so for months I was just kind of like on sitting hold. on pins and needles like did I get it? Did I get it? Yeah. And so finally at the end I'll be all um, I didn't get it. The guy the guy got it as he should have gotten it. Um, but they ended up giving me a small part as. In a section that got kind of cut out of that movie where they kind of like um, – where Rooney Mara's in like a uh, mental institution. She's It's in there, but like a lot of the sections that I was in were cut out of the movie got it. because I was terrible. No, um, because yeah. it was just part of the sections no, the movie that got cut out. Yeah. Um, and like uh, – but it was great. And like it was so funny because uh, I had this – like I had like the actor's worst thing happen on that movie, which is the day before I went for shooting – because I've been like, hey, do do I have any dialogue? Am I just yeah. like part of this team? Like, because I was like part of this like Ward Island crew is what I was called, and I think I was like crew member five or something. Like, do I have anything I say in this? Like, you know, what's going on? And then like the day before we shot, this one and a half page monologue gets sent to me from my agent that I have to do the next day, and I was like, oh, okay, great. I wish I had gotten this like any other time than the day before I have to go shoot it, but that's cool. Yeah. So I get the dialogue. Um, I go to set and. I get there and well, first off, I meet Rooney, which was like, I, like it was very intimidating. I mean, she's a very intense, intimidating actress. Yeah, she's amazing. But I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is Rooney Mara, okay, yeah. okay, okay. And then I think I saw like Jude at like Crafty, and I'm like, you're marvelous. Was anyway, cool? no, I no, I didn't meet him. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good for you. <laughs> uh, I think I, I think I might have briefly met him at the cast party. Yeah, but anyway, so I go to do the monologue, and my agent for some reason said. Oh yeah, by the way, they they really he really likes it when people improv. And I was like, "Wait, what? 
Why did I just memorize? Wait, this? wait, wait. What do you mean he likes it when people improv? So I get to set, and the first thing you need to know about working with Steven, at least now, uh, and, 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 and then too, um, but I think it's something he transitioned into, is that he is the director of photography. Yeah. So he shoots everything. So when you shoot, you're looking at Steven Soderbergh while you're working. Yeah. Like, like directly, because he's like behind that camera. And so, like, um, so and did, so he, I, did he tell you to like riff or no? That? He didn't say anything. He's just oh. like, we're just gonna do it. We're just gonna go and do it. Go ahead and do it. So we went into a take, um, and I did the monologue. I did all in one, and then I paused briefly at the end, and then I improv for like a minute, and I was like, and I just kept talking and like you know reacting and doing you know just being there and like kind of reacting, and then I took a brief pause, and then I heard cut. And I said, I don't remember anything I just said in the last minute of my life. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> like, when we go back to do this again, I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to do. Yeah. And he goes, moving on. And I was like, one oh, and done. I'm a one take dizzle. All right. <laughs> I felt so proud. And then like he started putting me in other scenes and I had more dialogue. And so you everything. developed a relationship with him. Yeah, I developed a relationship with him. And then all that stuff got cut out of the movie. But like it was like I was like wow this is really great and and it was this thing of like you know it was the first part of working with artists because I've worked with a lot of really great artists yeah and that's the thing that I've really been the most proud of is you know so it was creating this relationship with him where I was like oh and so uh, when the movie obviously what happened happened with the movie and then when they started to put together the Nick. Um, I was one of the first people they called in for my part. Wow. And they called in a lot of people. Trust me. I know because I'll be on a set and people will tell me like, oh, yeah, I read for your part. And like I always thought like, oh, they didn't see how many people. They saw a lot of people because they've all told me at some point like, oh, yeah, I read for your part. Or, oh, yeah, I was in and consideration. You're incredible on that show. Uh, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. And I um, love that show. Yeah. And it was uh, – and it's funny, by the way. I've told this story about Birdman a lot recently. Um was Birdman before the Nick? Or Birdman at? was between um, Birdman was between side effects and the Nick. Like we shot, uh, and w- what was that like? Because that's kind of like a theater type yeah. movie. Did you rehearse that scene? Or we could- did actually. What happened was, uh, so what happened was originally uh, everyone who's called in for that movie, I would say ninety percent of the like actors that were called in for that movie were called in for this part that actually got cut out. And so there's a lot of scenes that they auditioned people with that did not go to camera. Um, and one of them was uh, everyone read for the waiter in the scene that basically uh, when Michael Keaton and Edward Norton are in that bar and yeah. they talk to the reviewer, the reviewer's like, you think you're special? Yeah. Anyone can do what you're doing. And she turns to a waiter and the waiter does the tomorrow and tomorrow speech. Yeah. And so everybody read that thing. Like every like – people and you just see like – like and they actually did all the auditions at one-on-one. So I walked into one-on-one and like every – like all these actors, you're like, oh, I've seen that guy in this and I've seen that guy in that. And like you look down and you saw that. Oh, they have the tomorrow and tomorrow speech in their hand. Wow. So I had to go into the tomorrow and tomorrow speech and like, eh, you know what? Could you read for this uh, – <laughs> This uh, tourist with his wife. And I'm like, sure, 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 sure. And at first it was like this Italian tourist with his wife. And I was like, okay, great. The Italian tourist with yeah. his wife. I've done this. I've been to Milan. Yeah. I ate so much food there. I completely <laughs> – I've, I've become an Italian. Yeah. Um, so they um, – so we went in and uh, we had two I, – I had the first audition and I had the callback. And like they like you but they're not sure. So they're going to do a day of rehearsal on set with Alejandro. So you're going to go and meet Alejandro. 
And they, they did it a month before they started shooting because they really wanted to track every shot out. Yeah. Because they knew I that when they, they, when, they, when they shot, they would have to have everything so precise. So I went to set and like, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No, it was actually like 9 o'clock in the morning. 9 o'clock in the morning on, you know, 48th. And in walks Alejandro. In walks a bunch of producers. And like 15 minutes later, in walks Michael Keaton. And then five minutes later, Edward Norton walks in. Wow. And I was like, wow, all these guys are here. This is amazing. And I was like... And then the uh, one of the different I, – they had a lot of people who read for my wife. So I met one of the women who read for my wife. And, um, and then one of the other people, one of the other actors uh, wasn't there. And he showed up late for rehearsal. Oh, my God. And, like, one of the producers is like, rule one is you never show up late for rehearsal. Because I think that guy did finally show up, and that's not the guy we shot with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the guy that was there for that day. Yeah. But anyway, so so then we had that audition. And so then um, and then I got called back in to read with a bunch of different women for my wife and then a bunch of different children for our children. But they still weren't saying I got the part. In fact, at some point, then this is what happens with Birdman, actually, specifically, is that at one point they were like, well, maybe we can just hire an extra to play the husband and just the wife will have the lines and we'll just cut all the husband's lines, which if you watch the movie, I kind of look like an extra because all my lines are off camera. Right. Yeah. We come in for the photo, but like we're kind of like, and like there was other stuff, but it ended up getting cut because of, yeah, just because of timing. But, um, it looks like I was, I, 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 I I can see why. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. As the people who were up for the Nick, part will tell you like there have been people that have come up and like i was up for your part in bird man but it was gonna be an extra i'm like i know man you don't need to tell me (laughs) thanks for (laughs) on my foot again so um so yeah so basically uh when we so after all that finally i turned to my agent i'm like look they have had me in six times yeah if i'm not the guy then they need to tell me and like well you just take it easy wait and then like a month later like yeah you're the guy so amazing it's great and that was and then, a good experience. Yeah, it was great. It was, uh, it was great. It was funny because I was doing this play at the time, and I, when they hired me for the play, I was like, "Look," and I don't really. One of the reasons why I don't do theater anymore is I kind of have become kind of unreliable, right? And like they always if you get know, that call, you're going to yeah, go on that plane. I'm, I'm leaving. Yeah. Uh, and so I was in this play, and I'm not going to say the quality of the play. I'm just going to say what this reviewer said. But so I had to leave the play that night, and my the director of the play had to go on. And it was, um, and he had to go on script in hand. The review was not strong. Uh, oh, <laughs> not, wait, it was on opening night? It was not an opening night. Uh, it was some random night yeah, in the theater, in the yeah. show. But they said basically, and again, I'm not, this is what the reviewer said. This is now what I am personally saying about the play. Yeah. <laughs> he said the play was so bad that one of the actors didn't even bother to show up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Again, I'm not saying. That's my thoughts about the play. Yeah. I'm just specifically stating what the reviewer said. Amazing. Um, so, yeah. So, so then, uh, so that was a weird experience with, Bird, with Birdman because um, when, when, the, when people started seeing, you know, because Birdman and the Nick kind of came out at the same time. And casting directors would come up to me and be like, oh, my God, I love your work. You're so great. I'm like, oh, thank you. You yeah. saw the Nick? And they're like, no, no, I saw you in Birdman. I'm like. You mean where I look like an extra? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I have a TV show where I actually like speak and do things and have like an arc. Yeah. You might want to check that out. No, no, this is cool, it's cool, it's cool. Wow. So would you say Birdman opened more doors than the Nick did? Or no. No, no, no. Yeah. I think that Birdman 
Birdman meant a lot to me personally, and people saw people saw me a lot more in Birdman. I will say this was like this is such a vain thing to say. No, but it's my vain thing to say. Um, is that I somehow my scene in Birdman ended up in all the trailers for Birdman. Wow! And then when they showed the clip on the Oscars, like my clip was on the Oscars. Wow! And so like one of the producers of the movie, I saw I I went to go see a a movie they screened out in L.A. and I said like look. I just want to thank you because I will probably never be up for an Oscar. But my clip was shown on the Oscars, so I was part of the whole thing. Yeah. At some point, on some level. Again, not me denigrating my career. No, just no. clear statement of facts. Yeah. This is this is a beautiful thing and a touching, and I really appreciate it. Wow. It's amazing, man. And so then Steven was personally responsible for bringing you into the Nick? Carmen, I think, was. Carmen. I mean, Carmen and Steven, I think because of all the stuff with side effects – that uh, when they started kind of envisioning the show, I was one of the first people that was on their list of we want to see him. In fact, my agent at the time said, uh, did you submit yourself for this? Because we didn't submit you. And I was like, do I have to pay you money for this? Then? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, You're not getting that 10. But uh, but no, so I um, – so yeah, and then it was weird. So I did a tape, and I got some corrections, and I did a second take. Um, and then Carmen had me come in. And uh, and I was so nervous. I, I'll never forget. I was like the most nervous I've ever been in my life. Even after like Birdman and all those other shows, you, you yeah, because those are different. It's a different yeah. weight. It's a different weight. It's like you know to get the Nick. It was to get a series. Yeah, is a change is a complete change of your life. Yeah, because you're going on like one level and you think this is how your life is supposed to be, and then honestly to get bumped like it was a big bump like. Pretty quickly because, you know, you get – so here's the deal. It's like how this thing is supposed to work is you do some co-stars and they lead to some guest stars and then eventually they lead to a series regular. Right. I did some co-stars and I did some small parts in movies and I didn't do any guest stars and then I got bumped onto the series regular category. So like for instance – and the thing is and this is kind of like where my career has been is that the market has been trying to justify – me being where I was and kind of putting me back into a place without putting me back into the lower place. Right. So like now I'm kind of like running between like when I audition, I, I run between like series regulars and guest stars. Right. Um, and, and like, and this, this is very common. This happens with a lot of my friends too. Is we're like, well, maybe I should do some co-stars. Like, what do you guys think? Yeah. You guys think I should? And like, work my agent's like, no, you're not doing any goddamn co-stars. <laughs> stay away from those co-stars. Yeah. And if agents say like, oh, you should go back to those co-stars, they are misguiding you because it will devalue you in the marketplace. Right. My opinion, completely, not like you know, like not state of fact. That's just how I feel, and that's how certain of my representation has felt. Yeah. So that's what I believe. Uh, and you just have to believe. It's that whole belief in yourself thing of like you have to believe in yourself. You have to value yourself at that level. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with a co-star. Absolutely. But there is a value that denigrates if you've been on a certain level. Yeah, you earned your stripes, man. Yeah. And it's weird because I have uh, – trust me, there's been actors – I'll never forget. I've seen actors uh, who have been like series regulars on television shows that you see them in a co-star and you're like – Oh, is this is this going to lead to something? Oh, did they cut something out? No, they just needed to get health. And trust me, by the way, I have I have sung that song about I need my health insurance. Yeah, Are you, I, and you get it through the union. I get it through the union, and like last year, I was really like frightened because you know you have to work X amount of hours to qualify. You, you yeah. do, and my last year, I was like really worried, and I, I ended up getting a 
the the lowest level. Yeah. But last year was a slow year, so like, but it was like, trust me, like it was like. Every call, like with my reps, were like, "Hey guys, I don't care about anything else. I just want my health insurance." Like, yeah, I'll do I anything. Want. Like I don't care. And they're like, "Yeah, we know." Yeah, we. I got with the Nick. Like it was so funny because like there were there was a whole period of time when like you know they're like, "Is he a series regular? Is he a recurring guest star? What is he? What is he?" Did you and, flex up rep wise after you booked that? No, no, I stayed with my I, I say I stayed with my reps, but then I got my LA reps um, after the Nick. So yes and no. Um, but basically, it wasn't until I think it wasn't until the Nick was airing that I got my new people. Um, that and, I've been with. And, and just on a personal craft level, how was that? You know, working on the Nick with Clive, uh, was, Michael, Eve. Uh, I'm trying to think of God. There's so many. Chris, amazing. yeah, Jeremy, yeah, um, Maya. Um, it was Eric. I mean, it was so like. Um, what do you think like that? Just in, was that your grad school on like a professional level? You know what I mean? Just going in with those actors and and Juliet. I mean, I, how? I mean, here's the thing. I, my scene partner for a majority of the work that I did was Juliet Rylance, and um, she was so amazing to work with and so kind. And we were both figuring out things together, and it was really lovely to work with Juliet. That she really, and you know, she comes from a famous family. Um, Mark Rylance is yeah. your stepfather. And uh, to be working with someone who is such a great actress, who is so clear. And I'd actually seen her in um, The Tempest, and I'd seen her in As You Like It. Wow. Uh, and I actually saw her down actually in a Three Sisters that she did over at Classic Stage Company, um, and she was amazing. And then to be working with her as my scene partner, it was, it was beautiful. Um, and, uh, and actually the funny thing is that I uh, – for Christmas, I gave everyone joke gifts the first season. Yeah. I didn't give anyone joke gifts the second season. <laughs> but the first season, I gave everyone joke gifts for the holiday. And I gave her a copy of Sharknado. And the card that was written with it, I said, I just want to imagine you and Mark and Christian, her husband, sitting on the couch watching this movie. And if you do, you need to send me a picture. Because I just wanted to imagine the three of them <laughs> watching Sharknado. Um, but yeah, I, sent, I gave some good movies. I think I gave Steven like Howard the Duck. Yeah. And I think I ran out of movies. So I had to like pull some like movies from my collection to give to people. Like I still haven't seen the apple, but I gave that away and wow. I was like, oh man, human should've, centipede should have kept the apple. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So no, I mean, it was just amazing. And I mean, everything was real. That's the other thing about that movie that, that show was that like, yeah, it's a period piece. It was a period piece. And I remember I was downtown, um, walking around and we shot like, all the exteriors. We shot a lot of exteriors on the same day. In Brooklyn? No, no. We shot well, – our studio was up in Greenpoint. But we actually shot a lot of stuff in, in just in the streets in New York. Okay. Down um, – I forget, like near where the Tenement Museum is. Oh, okay. Lower East Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lower East Side. And so uh, we had like uh, – so I came down one day and there was just like dirt all over the streets. And like – and I walked up and there was like a dead horse. I was like, yeah, of course, dead horse. That's where we're at today with work. And just everything was amazing. And all the extras were, like, costumed up. Yeah. I mean, and it was it was beautiful. And it was, it was just so easy to work because it the was work right was there. For you. It was right there, and you were just responding immediately to what was there. Yeah. And then I got to ask because I love this show. Amazon's Red Oaks, which Steven Soderbergh produced. Yeah. Wait, wait, did he bring you back for that? Yes. Um, basically, I had uh, in between – like, so here's the thing is, like, 
And here's the kind of a cool thing is when they killed me on the neck, which spoiler alert, as I said earlier, yeah. that I was going to say that anyway. But st- I had to call Stephen and Stephen talked to me about it. I thought I was re- it was really beautiful. And I, Did, he really, they gave you the heads up or you just got the he script? He gave me the heads up. He gave me the heads up before I got the script. He says, you know, it's nothing to do with you. It's just what we're, we're doing with the story. Yeah. I just want you to know that. And it was really, it was really kind of him to do that. And I was like, thank you so much for doing that. And then they hired me for Red Oaks right after that. So it was kind of like it, it showed that it wasn't about me. It was yeah. a storyline thing. Which, again, you know, if as an actor, you're like, is it me? Yeah. Am I terrible? No, I mean, like, um, I don't want to name names, but there's a very famous actor on Boardwalk Empire that f***ed it up and got fired. And they killed him off because of that. Yeah. yeah. And so Red Oaks was, was beautiful. It was like going to summer camp. I mean, we shot in New Jersey, and um, and everyone was so lovely to work with, and everyone was so happy, and like... And it's such uh, a fun show. You yeah. know, who doesn't love the 80s and yeah. that and summer escapism, like good times with your buddies? And Yeah. And you're such like, a fun character. It was like going to summer camp. Like literally, I remember one time I went to set and they were like serving hot dogs and ice cream and like, you know, lemonade. And I was like, what the f*** are we doing here, guys? <laughs> amazing. Are you guys shooting a television show? Yeah. It was like having a summer camp. Are we, are we going to like make paintings later? But Oliver Cooper was also just really lovely. Working. Yeah. I remember him from Californication. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, and yet, what it was Alexander Socha, Alexander mm-hmm. Turchin, and then uh, who, what was the lead's name? Oh, I always forget his name. Uh, he's super nice. Actually, People always tell me I look like him, and I'm like, I don't know if that's a good or bad I, I love, Well, he actually he was on one of my favorite shows ever, Being Human, which is a British. It was only he was in the British version of it, and then he uh, they gave his character his own little spinoff web series, uh, and he was just I thought he was so great, and he's I I, I wish I could remember his name, and I'm yeah. embarrassed. That I don't, but uh, but he was really great to work. Why we never did any scenes together, but I actually met him multiple times at the readings and everything like that. And cool also, guy. like, yeah, cool, really cool guy. And Richard, uh, oh, the father, yeah, from he was really, Wonder Years, yeah, yeah, he was really great, yeah. Um, and obviously, and you got to Paul, drive Corvette, <laughs> yeah. I got well. The funny thing is that that's an that's a, that's its own little story, uh, which. I guess, yeah, we'll tell the story. Yeah, tell um, So I, um, and this is something that comes up quite frequently. I'm going to find his name real quick because I feel like we should know it. Real oh, quick. The, the, oh, yeah, 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 just so we can name it. <laughs> <laughs> Craig Roberts, Craig there you Roberts, go. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, so, uh, so I always get stuck driving cars and things, but I can't drive at all. Like, I literally cannot drive. In fact, every I've had this, like, I did this movie, Delinquent, where we're supposed to, like, be driving. I was supposed to be driving everyone around. That was my whole job. And I was like, hey, guys, just, you know, I can't drive at all. And they're like, oh. So if you see the movie, there's this shot where they're in the car, and, like, it was supposed to be, like, it, the car, like, the camera, like, moves around as everyone's talking, and I'm driving. And they had to, like, go, like, we're only going this far because we can't show the driver because David can't drive, and somebody else is driving right now. But on Red Oaks, uh, they're like, yeah, you're going to drive this, like, really, like, this rental Corvette from like or from like from like 1987. I'm like, uh, I can't drive. And like, well, can you take it? Can you try? And I'm like, mm, I can do anything you want to do. I just know that I can't drive. Yeah, so, and I'm not being responsible. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I and like, well, we'll just we'll go out the set and we'll try it. We'll see how it goes. So the first test was they just had me like turn off the brakes and just let it drift into the shot and then pull the brake. I'm like I can do that. They're like great. So that's what you're gonna do. And they're like, actually, you know what would be kind of cooler is if you turn the car as you went and you kind of like, you know, kind of turned into the shot. And I'm like, I don't think I can. 
do that. Amazing. They're like, well, let's just try. Because you try, you said you couldn't do it, but you could do the other thing. So why don't we try and do this thing? And I'm like, okay, but again, we could try. We could try. I'm happy to try anything. So they're like, all the extras, get out of here. Like, clear the area. He's testing something. Sets right on lockdown. So all these extras, like, moved out of the way. And we're shooting at this really beautiful, like, country club in New Jersey. Like, all this beautiful greenery. And I'm in this, like, really nice Corvette. And so I start to do the turn. And we're turning towards the street. And I just turn up. And I start to go up a hill. And they're like, cut, cut. You're not driving. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was well aware that I wasn't going to drive. So what they have to do was they had to, like... Get a stunt driver? No. Well, they did get stunt drivers for the wides. They yeah. got stunt drivers for the wides. But for the shots where I drive into the shot, what they had me do was they had me release the brake. And they had two crew guys in the back. And they just pushed the car into the shot. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I hit the brake. And then we do the scene. And then I release the brake. And then they just push me out of the shot. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was funny because... Uh, because I hadn't had that problem in a long – oh, and actually – so it's funny because the next night I went to go see a show on Broadway and I was in the audience. And uh, I was coming in, I was, you know, doing the ticket thing. And I'm like, oh, I'll go use the bathroom before the show. So I'm walking down the staircase to use the bathroom and this guy comes up to me and goes, hey, we worked together yesterday. And I was like, oh, we did? And like, you know, you, you work on, on a yeah. show and you're like, there's so many crew members. You're like, you're like, you try and remember yeah. everybody's yeah. name and you're like – Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Like, you're this, and you're that, and yeah. you're this, and you're that. And I go, oh, we, we did? Okay, cool, cool, cool. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were foreground, and I was background. And I'm like, yeah, that's a way of thinking about it. Okay, <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, that was real great. Wasn't it out in New Jersey all day in that country club? I'm like, yeah, it was really great. He goes, yeah, you can't f- drive at all, can you? And I'm like, go f*** yourself. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, thank you so much. And he's, and he's like, <laughs> Great, great, great. So I went down to the bathroom, come back up to sit on the, to go find my seats. And of course, they're like, I got like, you know, seats at the box office like two hours before the show. Yeah. So I got the cheapo seats. And so who's on like the cheapo row with me? But that motherfucker, no every way. time I walk by, he's like, this I, by the way, just guy. made the motion of somebody driving. That's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, so then, um, not to jump too far ahead, but. We were doing, uh, we were out in Long Island shooting Maniac, and uh, there was a scene. I got, like, by the way, the second par- character I played on Maniac, they just kind of said, like, we're just going to find you a different part because we want you to be, like, in the world. And, like, nobody had seen Maniac, so nobody really understood. What What's that. his name? Corey? Uh, Carrie Fukunaga. Carrie Fukunaga, yeah. Who's um, doing Bond? Yeah, Carrie's doing Bond. Yeah. Uh, and was that a great experience should, working oh, with it was, him? It was beautiful. It was absolutely great. I mean, and I'm curious with something like that because with. With Red Oaks, I can imagine it's pretty straightforward on the script, but like something that cerebral when you got the script, or did you even get the script for that? I did. Um, yeah. I was very lucky because uh, I was cast very early on the show. I think because um, I have a really, uh, I have a really great fan who uh, really seems to keep hiring me, and I really appreciate um, the pro- a certain producer, um, and I really thank him for just bringing me back every time, uh, Michael Sugar, and um, so. Michael, so I was I was in early on in the show, and so was he um, on the Nick? Was he a producer? He was, he was one of the producers on the Nick, and he's uh, been a producer on that and some other stuff. Amazing. So yeah, he's I really appreciate thank his, you, Michael, his belief in me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, so I was in the table read for Maniac, and so I actually got to 
hear what Maniac was about uh, a year before anybody else did. And it was, I mean, I'll tell you right now, like. Where Emma and Jonah attached? Emma and Jonah were attached and they were there. And Glenn was, that's where I actually met Glenn um, and Carrie. And and we were recording it for, you know, for Netflix so they could hear it. And, you know, some people were were there and some people were phoning it in. uh, And I'll just never forget watching. And actually I found this out later that that was the first time that she had read it, but. Emma did this monologue. At, we only got like the first six episodes. We didn't get all the episodes. And Emma did this monologue at the end of one of the episodes. It was the last thing we heard. And it was beautiful. And it was like, it was so beautiful and touching and personal. And like, you just, you lived in the space with her. Yeah. And later on, I found out that was the first time she'd read that. It was like, she hadn't seen that before at all. And that was the first time she read it. And it was like. Wow, I mean that's, that's that's why it. that's why she is what she is. Yeah, because she can just come and like open herself to material and just hit it, and she's never read it before. Wow, that's amazing, man. So now that because this you know is a podcast for artists but also actors, what advice would you have for people starting out in their career? People that don't have agents, people that don't have parents to guide them and tell them you know what showcases they hit. You know, people that are just kind of feel seemingly crushed by the mystery of breaking in, what would you, what advice would you give to them? I think the biggest thing is you have to always have faith in yourself and faith in what you are and just keep fighting because, you know, that's the thing for me is like, I always felt like I was the underdog because the Bay area did not treat me with the respect that I felt that I should have been, that I deserved. Um, and I came out here to find respect that, you know, I was like, I want to do the things I want to do. I had to know to myself that like, I had to know where I wanted to do the things I wanted to do. Like everyone always goes like, why don't you move in, move to LA? And I'm like, because I don't, well, first off, I don't want to live in the loneliness of LA. LA is such a, a lonely it's a city place. city built on one industry. It's not healthy for yeah. anyone. And everything's yeah. far away from itself. Like yeah. it's like, it, you have to drive yeah. and, uh, and you have to find compatriots. And the great thing about this city is you you can just literally take a train in and find your people. Yeah. Um, but first I think is like belief in yourself, belief in your art, create a network of people, create a network of support. I get so weird because I was taught, I was actually literally like, I was, I, I'm a reader a lot. So I was a reader. Yeah, that's for, the thing. I, I respect the hell out of it. It's like, I pretty much live there as much because I'm not anywhere close in my career to where you are. But, dude, you are always there. I always, like, come in and it's like you're always hustling. I got so much respect for it. And you're you're not getting paid to be a reader. Nope. And you're going in and you're doing those things, helping other students because, you're, I mean, you're in the class, but you're not getting up there to work, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I respect it so much. Like, you're, you're doing it, man. That's your free time. And you are you value it. I can tell. I and you And you and – you, a lot of those readers, they don't give a lot, and you're a very giving reader. You're a giving actor, and it means a lot, man. I, I really respect that. Well, you're putting your dreams online. You want you want you want people to love you. You're like opening your heart, and someone's like in their page, like, yeah. And that's why Aunt Sim, Sim, Cindy left. You know, like that's like you got to be there. You got to be connected with those people because they want to show the best of themselves. And you can only you can't do the best of yourself if you're just going Someone's against giving a, you a blank wall. Yeah. Um, but so like I was the reader for someone recently though, and the whole point of what they were saying was have friends that you can work off of and have guide you and bounce things off. And I'm like, that should be a given. Yeah. That should be a given that you find a network of friends that you care, that you love and you support each other. 
and that you're able to go to them and be like, Hey, can we work on this thing? Hey, can we work on this thing? And like, and make it a mutual thing, not a one-sided thing, but like you're helping them as much as they are helping you because it's all about a community. It's all about working together. Yeah. Um, that's the thing is actually, it's so funny because, you know, when I was in the MFA program, the first two years are about bringing you all together. Right. First two and a half years, actually, are about two, you working together as a unit. Yeah. And the last six months are about you as an individual. And that's what people kind of sometimes stay on that path of like, well, I'm an individual. And like, you are an individual. You'll do this thing. You'll do that thing. But you still have to be part of a community. You still have to help each other. You're not all like some of you are going to be successful. Some of you are not going to be successful. But you have to help each other. You have to believe in each other. Totally. Amazing, man. And um, just when you get auditions now, do you do you work on them yourself? Do you have friends that you work with? Is it like what's your process like? Um, I usually, um, first off, I have this, this app on my phone. I think it's, what is it, like, rehearsal. Yeah, the one so where yeah, you yeah. can say the lines. Yeah, yeah. Of so, I, I want to just have the words in my head. Yeah. I want to have the words in my head and be kind of just very, like, 100% on the words. I've had more than my share of just, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm lost. Like, and so that's the thing. But then also, once I've, once I've worked material a little bit, I like to have a friend that I can work with and, like, do the thing with it. And I've actually learned, it's actually been something I've been working on a lot recently is that I realized that if I work with a friend just going through the lines, it's about the feeling of having it, doing it and having it come back to me. Uh-huh. The reflection, um, because you could work on the thing, the lineup and like get like a good rote thing of like, well, this and this and this and this and this, but to listen and react. Cause that's the thing. That's what acting is. is yeah. Acting is listening and reacting. And totally. so, um, to actually see the thing land and be like, okay, that's, how it landed, and that's what you think back. It's it's the relationship. Amazing. And you can't and I you can't create a relationship in a vacuum. Yeah, totally. And what's what's in store for you for 2019? Do you have any projects that are finished or anything you're excited about? To I've been shooting a lot. I, I I've got I shot a couple movies. Like I shot a movie uh, a couple months ago with Adrian Brody. I don't know the name of that movie. Um, how was that experience? It was great. Yeah, uh, it was really. It was really a, a, a big film or an indie? Uh, it was an indie film. Yeah. Uh, cast by a great house. Um, Which one? Barnsney. Oh, Barnsney. Yeah. Great. yeah. Um, and then I did a film called Hungry uh, where I was in Overeaters Anonymous. <laughs> I seem to be in my Overeaters Anonymous because I have another movie called Wait where I'm also in Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, and uh, that was really lovely. And it was funny because when we, I went to go in to meet with the director of the movie uh, – um, he told me the story about his friend who had had weight problems and what happened to his friend. And I was so touched and moved by that story that when we went to go do my audition, like it stayed with me. Yeah. And then when we shot the movie, I tried to remember that conversation to kind of put me back in that place. Cause it actually really put me in this beautiful place of like immediacy of, of the pain. Totally. Um, and so that and that and then I got a thing coming up in a, in a little bit. Uh, and then, yeah. And then here's the great thing. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I, uh, <laughs> I just shot a, a short film for some NYU grad, oh. undergrads. And I was like, why am I doing it? Because they paid me money. Uh, but it was really great. It was kind of great to be like, to work on all these high level things and to kind of work with like, I wouldn't say low level, but just a different level. Yeah. You know. 
uh, and the kind of like developmental you know, people developmental. Yeah, 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 developmental. Yeah. Um, and to kind of like kind of just work with people and and kind of teach them a few things. You totally. Know? And um, I imagine it was like such an awesome experience for them to have you. I bet they were like, yeah, yeah, incredibly yeah. grateful. And I hopefully, hopefully, you know, it comes together well. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. here's the thing: is I'll pr- with any of that stuff. You're like, I'll never see that footage. Yeah, and. It's okay if you don't see that footage. You know what I mean? I don't need to see that yeah. footage. Yeah. But it was fun to do a couple days on that and kind of like, you know. That's awesome. Just work on some, you know, some good old-fashioned, like, this is what I'm working on. This is, you know. Amazing. You've been incredible, man. I'm such a big fan of your work. Um, I know you have a Facebook, but that's private. Is there a way people can follow you on social media? Or do you have, like, uh... I have, like, Instagram and you Twitter. You do? Yeah, 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 yeah. So what's your Instagram? Oh, I probably like my name. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you link to I'm trying to plug you, bro. Help me out. <laughs> <laughs> if you Google me, I come up. Amazing, man. Well, dude, I'm such a big fan of yours. I'm always rooting for you, and I'm so excited because I know so many great things are in store for you. And thank you for being here, man. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, much love, brother. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.